stop. They pile up the points until they reach the top. Pull together till the gray cups pop. Go Argos, go, go, go. everybody welcome to the argo bounce live audio show episode number 12 on tuesday october 3rd 2023 with my co-host nick small and myself chris pame as we talk about the toronto argonauts and their latest game which they uh played last friday night in winnipeg and the bombers won 31 21 but the argonauts uh, second string and third string guys gave Winnipeg a good battle there. But unfortunately, Winnipeg got the uh, better of the Argos in the fourth quarter. And I'm uh, looking forward to my uh, my co-host tonight, Nick Small, for episode 12. And we're going to have a special guest come on in a few minutes as well. And uh, I'm going to bring on my co-host, Nick Small. Good evening, Nick. How you doing? Hey, Chris. Doing great. Yeah, it was a game that didn't turn out the Argos way in terms of the wins and losses um, and the final score, like we've been so used to seeing this season, their only other loss coming off a game in Calgary in the uh, about halfway point of the season, a little before that. But um, what was really decisive about this game was that they played Winnipeg really well with their second and third string guys. And most valuable of all, it gave Cam Dukes the opportunity to show what he could do in a first string position should, God forbid, something ever happen to Chad Kelly. It proved that the Argos could still remain. And for the most part of this game, they did have the lead. And, and if they had have played the fourth quarter a little differently, you could kind of see them playing a more management um uh, almost like a preseason style way of managing the players, they probably could have been in it right until the end. So it's there's a lot of positives to take forward that we'll elaborate on later on in our show today. Okay, and before a guest comes on shortly, I have a special guest coming on. Uh, thoughts on the passing of uh, old-time CFL great in Saskatch Mr. Saskatchewan, uh, George Reed. Yeah, George Reed was one of the best football players, not only in Canadian football league history, but in football history as a whole. Over his time through uh, 12 seasons, sorry, 13-year seasons, um, he, he averaged uh, just over 1,000 yards every single year, won the Grey Cup surprisingly only once in his career, Um but uh, one M MVP, most valuable player, and MOP through it. And him and Ron Lancaster were just such a fantastic duo over their time in Saskatchewan. George, uh, And not only was George Reed such a fantastic football player, um, easily one of the best running backs of all time. I think 
in any person's top five list. He's up there in that top five spot. But at one point, he was involved with 40 community charity organizations. So even after having such an outstanding career as a player, he continued to give back to the community in Saskatchewan and throughout the league. Minimizes what we what we see in in many other greats like like pinball, for instance, here in Toronto. Uh, think think of him ten times over in in Saskatchewan, and uh, an absolute hero and legend, and absolutely deserves to be recognized for all the outstanding work he's done both during his career and and post career. I don't think you're ever seeing a running back like him again. Obviously, Mike Pringle, who has the uh, record at 16,425, but I believe Pringle played more games and then George Reed, but you know, running backs, Nick, in the NFL, CFL, college football, running backs don't normally play 13 years or stay with one team for 13 years. And that was just amazing. 13 years in always Saskatchewan, 203 games. I believe he had over 3,254 carries, 16,115 yards, and one record I don't think will ever be broken by a running back. I know I know Damon Allen was close and Pringle was close, but uh, 134 rushing touchdowns. I don't think that record will ever be broken in our lifetime in the CFL. Yeah, it's. I think it is kind of a challenge sometimes in our modern football, that, like you said, to see – what it was like for someone like George Reed. And and you look at guys who are sort of veterans in the league, at Canadians too, like you look at John Cornish um, back in Calgary a few years back, or you look at Andy. Um, but yeah, to, to try to think that their careers still don't even come close to the Reed was able to put up. And you have to also think about how in, in the context of that time in the 60s and 70s, like... Um, Canada also had its own, own uh, maybe not so as directly at the U.S. with segregation, but it it was it was still a hard time to be a black player in, in a in a mostly white sport. So and it and George Reed was one of these pioneers of breaking down those barriers, and and uh, yeah, you you see how it how it's evolved the game here in Canada, and we owe a lot to him to thank to thank for that and everything else in his in his legacy as as a, one of the greatest football players in cfl history all right nick uh i'm gonna give my uh, guests a call and uh we'll, we'll put him on speakerphone and hopefully this works just standing by here nick a little different on our show we're gonna have a phone-in guest hi. coming on hi rod how you doing hello it's rod here Hey, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate coming on the Argo Bounce live audio show with my co-host Nick uh, Small and myself tonight. Thank you, Rod. Uh, are you live now? or? Yeah, we're live right now. Okay, beauty. So we're good to go. But hey, I really appreciate you giving us some time. And me and Nick were just talking about the uh, passing away of CFL legend and uh, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, Mr. Rough Rider, uh, George Reed. Rod, I was going to ask you, what were your thoughts on uh, George Reed. Well, I have a lot of thoughts, and you know, I'm of the vintage of uh, a CFL fan. When I was growing up, I mean, they were the two biggest names, if not the biggest names, in all of football. I mean, that was an era back in the '60s and early '70s, and I became a CFL fan probably when I was about six or seven years old. So, late '60s into '70, and that was an era when 
the best football players in the planet didn't necessarily play in the National Football League. A lot of players came north because they could make more money in the Canadian Football League. The league was well established. Uh, the NFL had just gone through its merger. There was no real hype like we have now of Super Bowls. I mean, there were Super Bowls, but they weren't like they are now. So a lot of American players came north. Uh, you just look at the list of great ones. And these two, George Reed and Ron Lancaster, were great ones. Um, I, I'm a big numerology guy. I think about numbers and I was thinking about it today and Ron Lancaster, who wore 23, and George Reed, who wore 34, I would defy anybody to tell me who were greater players in that era who wore that number. They were really the first. There really wasn't a number 23 in football that was as outstanding, north and south of the border, as Ron Lancaster. In fact, there wasn't really a number 23, which became probably the most famous number of all because of Michael Jordan, there wasn't a number 23 of any kind. Bob Ganey wore it, Bob Nystrom in hockey, Bobby Thompson wore it as a baseball player, but Ron Lancaster, the little general, wore number 23. And for 34, for George Reed, really the 34s in football became famous later, though, and that was, of course, someone like Walter Payton, Herschel Walker at the time, and others who wore 34. And, and, and you know, Thurman Thomas, I think about him as well. Uh, so think about it. Those two guys who will forever remain inextricably linked by Canadian football and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders became the stars of the show across Canada. George Reed was the first great star running back in history. People will probably point to Jim Brown being that person, but Jim Brown didn't have a lot of years and seasons in the Canadian, in the National Football League. And, you know, he went into acting. He didn't have a long career. George Reed had a long career. He put up monstrous numbers. And it wasn't until Walter Payton and Emmett Smith and Mike Pringle and others who were able to finally break the record. It took them a long time. George Reed piled up enormous yards, you guys. George, there was a time when they didn't throw the ball very much. So the running back got it a lot. And George Reed got it a lot. Uh, he was a multi-time all-star. He was a member of the Order of Canada. He did so much away from the game. It was absolutely incredible what George Reed did away from the field. Uh, he was a transplanted American who got Canadian citizenship. He became a Saskatchewanite, a Saskatchewanian, whatever they want to call them. Uh, he, he became a member of the community. Uh, he, they constantly went to Grey Cup games. You know, ironically, he only won one in 1966 with Ron Lancaster. It was their only win together, but they were always in the final. I grew up in Winnipeg, and I kind of hated the Saskatchewan Rough Riders when I was growing up, and then I grew to love them because the team that was in my city wasn't, frankly, very good at the time. And so George Reed, to me, is, is an icon, a legend. Uh, for a lot of CFL fans of this era, they'll probably look at names like Mike Pringle and, you know, Anthony Calvillo was all of the great record setters. But to me, Ron Lancaster and George Reed were the first two real superstars of that era. And uh, George Reed was just such a gentle, 
gentle man, such a kind man, a great man, a power running back who was a star. And there is a statue of him. And there's a statue of Ron Lancaster. And it's outside Mosaic Stadium in Regina. And there is a street named after George Reed. If George Reed played in any other city besides Regina, and it was such a small city at the time, and they weren't winning a whole lot, he would have been deemed as one of the greatest Canadian athletes uh, athletes in Canada, you know, busy again, because he became a Canadian citizen. But to me, George Reed was my first real taste of looking at someone who was an absolute superstar in his sport. That's what he was. Rod, what I wanted to ask you is, uh, do you feel the CFL should retire the number 34, uh, like baseball uh, did with Jackie Robinson's 42 and uh, Wayne Gretzky's 99? Uh, yeah. No, I don't think so. And not, this is not against George Reed. Okay. Um, I just think that's, you know, it's it's a number that should be retired in the right places in Saskatchewan. Uh, those numbers are famous. You kind of run out of numbers after a while. I like what places like, um, I, I like what they do in Toronto. You know, they don't really retire numbers. Uh, they, 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 they honor them. And somebody else could wear them. I, I think that's kind of cool, too. In Yankee Stadium, you see all the numbers. There's hardly any numbers. True. digit numbers left. Um, what, would it be a, would it be apropos? Could, could somebody do it? Would they do it? For sure they would do it. But I, I think enough time has passed. And George lived a great life. You know, and unfortunately, one day before his 84th birthday, he passed away. Um, but in Saskatchewan, hey, you mentioned the name George Reed. I mean, the guy was on a postage stamp. He was everywhere in that in that province. Um, he was he, awesome. such a legend. He is the definition of legend. That legend will live on forever. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not so sure that you know. I, I think you know, in Saskatchewan for sure. You know what? That's a, a retired number. But I would say across the Canadian Football League, probably not. All right, Nick. Nick Small is my co-host. Nick, do you have a question for Rod? Hey, Nick. Hi, Rod. A pleasure to speak to you. And yeah, when you brought up the the thirty-four, I, I, uh, of course, it brings me to the thirty-four we have right now here in Toronto to make the kind of legacy that George Reed had. But I know one thing that was circulating on social media was trying to get A.J. Olette to wear a uh, 34 uh, George Reed Saskatchewan jersey during warm-ups. I hope uh, I think that would I be really cool. I, I could also see happening, you know, I could see uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in their next game also all coming out and wearing in their pre now that would be apropos wearing 34 um the, the, the thing about the league the, the canadian football league is it's such a wide league uh, you know it's it, i mean it's it you know only the nine teams but at the same time it, it, it spans one of the biggest countries right no other league with nine teams uh, i guess without the exception of the canadian elite basketball league um you know, has as few teams in such a wide area. And it's a very provincial league, a territorial league. You know, the Lions fans love their Lions. BC fans love their Lions. You know, Edmonton fans love the Elks, which used to be the Eskimos. Calgary loves the Stamp. You know what I mean? Winnipeg loves the Blue Bombers. Um, I will tell you, there's a hatred that exists between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And if someone even hinted, hey, we're retiring 34, even though there's great reverence 
for George Reed. You know, they would go, no, no, you can't. That's our team. That's Winnipeg, you know? So uh, I think it would be a nice gesture in Toronto. I think it's be, a, I know that in Saskatchewan, it will, um, it's almost a, a day of mourning provincially because, uh, you know, I think George Reed was one of those guys, uh, you guys who, who, who you really kind of felt was immortal and would live forever. I remember when Ron Lancaster passed away, same kind of feeling. However, Lanky or the little general also went on to coach in the league and was a general manager and did so much as around the league and of course was with the Hamilton Tiger Cats as well. So and he, he also won a great cup with Ottawa. So but George Reed only played for one team. One team only to have one player play for one team for as long as George Reed did and do his what he did, you'll never probably see that again in the Canadian Football League. That rarely, rarely happens. So um, I think you're going to see some gestures. I would say, I would, I would hope that Commissioner, uh, the Commissioner of the Canadian Football League, uh, would would definitely think about putting patches on some of the the the. the uh, Helmets, for sure, some stickers or patches, certainly on, or a black armband on some of of uh, the jerseys uh, across the, the league. But, um, you know, again, I, I, because of, uh, again, this era forgets what those guys meant, what those guys in the 60s and 70s, the Angelo Moscas, the, the, the George Reeds, the Ron Lancaster, the Tony Gabriels, guys, I lived in that era. That these were men, giants among men at the time. They were the biggest stars in Canada, along with hockey players. Now hockey players seem to be the biggest stars only. We have stars, but not like they were. They were giants in the 70s. And George Reed and Ron Lancaster and Russ Jackson and Angela Mosca and Peter Della Riva, and you go down the list, those were the biggest names in Canadian sport at the time. Because we weren't winning Olympic medals at the time. Remember, we didn't have any gold medals at the Olympics. So even Olympic athletes, you know, were, were in the shadows of CFL players during the late 60s and 70s. So I, I, I imagine that there are going to be some, some real tributes uh, in the next little while. I would say the league is probably planning something as well. Um, and, you know, again, uh, George Reed's legacy will just live on forever. Absolutely, Rod. And I started watching the CFL in the late 70s. Uh, Conrad Holloway, uh, Terry Greer. Um, back then, that's when I started watching it. And uh, Rod, I was going to ask you, what are your thoughts on the 150th um, anniversary of the Toronto Argonauts? And uh -huh. are you going to be able to attend the game Friday at BMO Field? Yeah, I'd like to. I'm hoping to. I'm um, a little busy this week. Um, but again, you go back to it. It's it's one of the, one of the longest serving uh, professional teams and amateur teams. Uh, think about 150 years. That's incredible. I mean, again, they didn't play with helmets back then. Um, what they have done for such a long time, uh, the fact that the Bowmen have been around that, that area where they used to have regattas and boats, and they were named after the Argonaut Rowing Club as well. That's It's, it's, it's a, a testament. I still think... You know, unfortunately, in this market, and I think, you know, again, Commissioner Ambrosi and the league probably look at it every year. I think it's getting better, you guys. You're around the Argos a lot. You're mm -hmm. seeing, you know, more fanfare. You're seeing what winning does. You're seeing what Pinball Clemens does. Um, having ownership with MLSE certainly helps a lot. But we're still a long way away from having the passion in Toronto that they have in the prairies 
for Canadian football because it's the only game in town. We've got so much going on in Toronto, right? Uh, but at the same time, I think the more and more we can get more kids, and I'm sure that's Michael Clemens' wish and dream is to get more kids to games, to get more families to games, to make sure that the games are scheduled properly, like a Friday night where you can get downtown, you can have dinner and all that and enjoy the town, enjoy a beautiful night near the lake. Um, but, you know, again, it's it's not like it was. I go back to the 60s and 70s, you guys, again. Um, but the Argos at that time weren't a very good football team either. You know, they, they went to that one great cup, the Leon McQuay fumble, of course. And, and you know, and, and Joe Theismann was a big – think about it. Joe Theismann played for the Toronto Argonauts. You know, Terry Metcalf played for the Toronto Argonauts. Um, but they weren't powerhouses then, you know. <laughs> Hamilton Tiger Cats were kind of the powerhouse in the 70s around the George Reed era. Um, the Edmonton then Eskimos were the powerhouse out west. Uh, Saskatchewan was a powerhouse going a lot. I think we'd all love to dream that dream of, of what it was a few years ago and try to recreate what it was. I think too many people actually live in the past. Uh, with the CFL. I think it's nice to celebrate our past, but think about today. Think about this moment and think about the future and what the CFL is going to look like 10 years from now. I think it's got a bright future. I don't think you can ever kill the league, but I th still think there are some 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 areas that are very challenging. And they, 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 those areas, you know, are certainly being addressed. But, you know, as our generations change and our love of football changes, and you see what betting has done, certainly, I think that's, you know, obviously they're trying to pave that to the future. You see how powerful the NFL has become. Again, I go back years. The NFL wasn't as powerful then. It's a beast now. So the CFL strategically um, has had to, to deal with this, but they still have got very good television numbers. Again, they get big houses in a lot of the stadiums. They still got to, you know, the, the, there's, there's some some dark spots that they have to look after and they have to put some bandages on it and then try to come up with solutions. But yeah, I'd like to, I'm sure you guys are going to be down there this week and I'm, it should be a good yes. celebration. Yes. Nick's a season ticket holder. I'm a first time season ticket holder and the Argos have let me uh, cover the team. What a media. deal you guys. Yes. Right? Like seriously, I wish I lived closer to the stadium and I wish I still could have my fandom. I haven't become a, a fan again because I'm still doing a lot of work here and elsewhere. Um, I'd like to be that fan that, you know, when I become a fan, I'm not sure when that is again, I would definitely have season tickets, but it's fun. It's affordable. It's fun. And and I'm sure I don't have to tell you guys, so how many nights do you go there and you just go, these people are crazy. The ones who aren't here because they're missing a whole lot. Absolutely. And, I'm, and, and Rod, I'm kind of lucky too. Uh, I'm a first time season ticket holder, but I'm also doing some media work for the CFL and the Argonauts as well. Yeah, I hear you're doing great work there as well. So, well, thank you. Continued success. Well, thank you. I've just been very fortunate and I'm very appreciative of the opportunities. Rod, do you have a couple more minutes for a couple more quick questions? Yeah, absolutely. Nick, do you have another question for Rod? Yeah, well, I gotta say, Rod, I miss I miss hearing your voice on TV. So it's really good to to hear you now and chat with you and and hear today. Um, I was wondering if you happened to catch the game uh, this week, the Argonauts against the Blue Bombers, and kind of what were your thoughts on it? Uh, maybe specifically about oh, yeah. the the resting of Chad Kelly and the starting Cam Dukes instead. 
Yeah, I think it's logical, you guys. Um, I will tell you the resting, you know, I guess you could call it load management. When you've already clinched, this is a tough period. I've seen this happen before. I saw it with the Calgary Stampeders a few years ago when they had an, one of these indomitable seasons. I saw it with the Montreal Alouettes who had another one of those seasons years ago. Now, again, you know, they were well coached at the time. I, I think, you know, the Alouettes, for instance, had such great coaching through the years. And, you know, Marv Levy to Joe Galat to to Mark Tressman um, and others who were just, you know, were on those sidelines and were just winners. And, and, and I remember some of the years where they could rest, you know, their stars. I'm a big believer in resting your stars when the worst thing that can happen, I, I think you guys would agree. I mean, the Argos should be in the Grey Cup game, right? If you were into the betting today, you you pick the Argos. They're probably not, a, it's, it's, not a, it's, it's not too pricey of a bet that you're going to win because they've got this incredible record. But we see what happens in November. In November, in Canada, strange things happen. And the worst thing that can happen is you lose your quarterback. And I'm a big believer as well. I think some teams, I've seen it also, I've seen it in Winnipeg a lot, actually, because uh, Zach Caleros loves to play. Uh, I think Michael Shea is getting better with that, is that you lose him, you lose, you know, you lose your quarterback in this league. If BC Lions lose Vernon Adams, you know, all of these things your chances diminish considerably of winning the Grey Cup. So I do understand it. I also though understand, and I think this is where they're thinking, and I think Pinball's thinking, and Ryan Dinwiddie, who has, by the way, been an absolutely exceptional coach since he came from the playing ranks. I do think that what you've got to do is you've got to also, you can't limp into the playoffs. You can't just rest everybody and then hope that that week you're just, because it's only a one game, and you're going to the Grey Cup, right? You're playing for one game. That's all you're playing for. So here's my thing. Get ready for the one game. I'm also a believer that sometimes buys hurt uh, because teams can get traction. Like, it's a crazy year, you guys. Like, if, if, if Edmonton and Calgary weren't so bad in Ottawa, it, it, you know, there could actually be four teams from the East that could be in the playoffs. You know, like, if you look at the numbers, and, and that, you know, may, may, may even play out, but I doubt it. But... You know, you know, because normally it's the other way, but you could have actually a crossover. That, who would have ever thought that would have happened? It could actually cross over the other way. Um, and then one team gets in because, by the way, there probably is going to be a team that has a, le a less than 500 record into the playoffs. And they just catch fire or lightning in a bottle and strategize and catch some breaks and whatever. They could win and they win the next week. And guess what? They're in the Grey Cup game. That's how it works. We've seen it happen before. I've seen it happen too many times. Ryan Dinwiddie's seen it happen too many times. So I think resting players at the right time is the right thing to do. Absolutely. That, uh, Go ahead, Nick. That team that might catch fire just might very well be the team that Toronto's playing this coming week against the Edmonton Elks. I mean, Trey Ford's been absolutely incredible since he came in. And I think yeah. what's really been nice is he's given them the opportunity to win every game he started, I think. Yeah, he hasn't won yeah. all of them, but they're definitely one of a much more competitive team since he's come in. 
Yeah, isn't it amazing? Again, what did we start talking about at the beginning about, you know, the, the CFL and the olden days or the glory days? And those were also days, by the way, when there were Canadian quarterbacks in the league like Russ Jackson and Jerry Dottilio and others. And we've always been yearning for that great Canadian quarterback. We thought we had one, certainly Nathan Rourke. We've seen it through the years. Uh, I always thought the Marshall Falls would have been a great one as well. Um, or Michael Falls, rather. Uh, uh, but I also, you know, when you see, I watched Laurie a few years, you know, the last few years I watched, I still call it CIS football, youth sport football, whatever. Um, and when you see something like what's happening there, think about guys about two months ago, the Edmonton Elks were left for dead. People were showing up in paper bags. Now the record still is not great. Let's remember that. But again, all you got to do is get in just to get in and crazy things can happen. And I do believe, you know, that the presidential change um, was certainly needed. Um, I think a change, a strategy change was needed. And I really like what Trey Ford has done. I like what, again, if you look at BC and Winnipeg, one and two in the West, those two teams, that's kind of a, a wash there. Saskatchewan's in the hunt, but Calgary and Edmonton, you know, off years in Alberta. All you got to do is be better and just make get it into get into the postseason. You never know what can happen, and especially if they have to cross over, right? As you mentioned at the beginning, possibility of crossing over, and now all of a sudden, you're, you're <laughs> anything can happen. Hey Rod, since I've got you on here, what are your thoughts on the league eventually getting rid of the divisions, East and West, and just going with nine teams? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, another old number 34 friend of mine, Dwayne Ford, who uh, loved that number because of Herschel Walker, I think, not George Reed, but <laughs> Dwayne, the must Western Mustang and a great CFL player and a great analyst who I, I really miss uh, week in and week out. Uh, he always was for that, especially in a nine-team league, just, you know, play it out. I kind of like divisions. I like East and okay. West. I've always have. I think that goes back to the tried and true tradition. I, I do believe we're going to have a 10th team when Halifax does eventually get in Atlantic schooners, whatever they're going to be called. Agreed. Yeah. I think when we get, when we get 10 teams, uh, it's clear, you know, you have your divisions and I like the East and West. I think it, it I, I think it's, a, it's just, it's, it, it defines what CFL football is about. I, I, um, I, I believe when you play within your division, the football is different. People will look at disparities within um, records and, you know, like, oh, look at the East is bad this year in the West. Well, the, remember that you do play different football when you're playing in your division and closer to home and less travel and all of that. I, I, I'm I'm a big traditionalist that way. I kind of like the wild card. If you're having an off year, that puts somebody into the other uh put somebody into that other uh, division. Uh, we haven't seen that come to fruition in a Grey Cup yet, but I, I do believe um, we will someday. Uh, but I like the divisions. And I, I'm sorry, Dwayne, if you're you're listening or, or watching, but um, he, 40, would love to have it go just, you know, nine down, best teams. Um, I, I don't know. I like, I like East and West. There's something about the rivalry, and particularly in the Grey Cup. I, uh, by the way, Rod, uh, before I would let you go, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Dwayne this year as well, and I'm hoping after the season's over I can get uh, Dwayne to come on and talk about his football career and his uh, yeah. broadcasting career uh, as well. He's a, he's a great guy. He's a great friend. He's a, 
He was a fantastic running back. He's, a, I believe, the best analyst, football analyst in Canada uh, of any football, uh, the best uh, the best scout and talent evaluator I have seen. And I'm saying, and, and maybe I'm saying too much, but he was also the best eater when I was around. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, I also think that uh, the league is missing out. Uh, there's so many teams that are missing out. I mean, as good of a commentator as Dwayne is, um, I think a, league, a team in this league could use him as their GM or president, and I, I do think they would have they would have immediate success because he just knows the game like no one I have ever met. Well, I, I think I can speak for Nick as well. Uh, over the years, we really enjoyed your work as the uh, CFL on TSN uh, play-by-play announcer, Rod. And, and and the reason I love the league so much is, is not just the players, but uh, TSN does such a great job mm-hmm. covering the league, and they have some yeah. really good announcers as well, right? Yeah, I miss it. Yeah. I miss it. Yeah, I miss it too. I miss I miss doing the games. I mean, life takes its turns, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying that I might not get back doing it some games again someday, somewhere, somehow, maybe. Fingers um, crossed. I'm not retired. Yeah, a lot of people thought I retired. I'm not retired. I'm a little tired. I'm not retired. <laughs> I like. I want you know, and I I like uh, being able to do the games I want to do. But I certainly miss being around. I miss it, the games being around the. My favorite part always was before the game or at the day before the the uh, practices, uh, the game day uh, chats, the, the the feel on the field. I played junior football, so I remember that. I loved one thing about this game, and I know there are a lot of parents out there who don't put their kids into football because they think it's too violent. Or yeah, there are some dangers, but there are dangers in every sport. And I will tell every parent that the the advantages and the pluses to putting your child in a sport uh, that has so much camaraderie and teamsmanship and gamesmanship uh, and discipline is the, 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 it's far better than, than, than not doing anything. So um, I miss those game days. I miss them from the days I was playing to the days I was broadcasting. And um, I, yeah, the league is, I still say, you know, it's, it's still some of my greatest memories in, in sports broadcasting came around the Canadian football league. Big for sure. Nick? Oh, I can emulate that so much. I played football as as um, like high school and below for eight years and I think five championships as a player and and but the, oh, yeah, wow. that yeah that uh Mississauga football I didn't go anywhere after that, but just yeah, the the yeah. skills you yes, build. Sir. You don't have to go anywhere, Nick. You don't have to go anywhere as long as you're playing something. And I have to say to kids and coaches all the time, there's nothing uh, like it, uh, though. That because it's one game a week, mm-hmm. there's all the practices and the discipline and the best players play. And sometimes even some of the, the the players who don't play have those great Rudy moments. Uh, it's it's an amazing game. Um, there's not, That's why everybody gets so fascinated by it. And I love the fact that it, and that's one of the things I have a criticism of the CFL. I think there are too many games spread out on weekends. I think they should pick one day and just let it go. Let it fly. You know, doubleheader, maybe Friday, doubleheader Saturday, leave the Sundays. Um, too many games, too many places. Just that's what the beauty of the NFL is. Now they, they've spread it out a little bit too, but you know that your team's coming home every second Sunday or thereabouts. And there's a lot of fanfare and regional rivalry. And and that's what happens with high schools, you guys. That's why high schools have done so well with football, especially in the United States. I was just recently in in Indiana, you know, and and, and you know, I could tell you everybody said you know, somebody said to me, So what are the what how do you rank the sports 
in Indiana. I was on a bus at a golf trip, and I said to the guy, well, there are three, there are three sports in Indiana. And he goes, yeah, really? I said, yeah. There's high school football, there's college football, and there's professional football. <laughs> that's the three sports, even though they have the Pacers, even though they have other sports. That's football. It's like Texas, the same thing, and the Friday night light. And, and uh, that's, the, that's the beauty of, of our game in Canada. I love our Canadian rules. I love the game. I love to see more teams. Just want to see want to see more of I want to see it pumped up more. I want to see where, where our Canadian kids like a Trey Fork can dream about playing here. Or Nathan Rourke can dream about playing here. And it's not about going to the States all the time. Because look what George Reed did. George Reed came here from Mississippi out of college. And he forged a great career. And he became a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. He's an Order of Canada. And somewhere, somehow, he's with Ron Lancaster now, and he's smiling, and they're probably tossing the football back and forth. And he knows that he left this game better when he left than when it was when he came in. And that's what this game is all about. And, Rod, I'm also lucky as well. I do some camera work for the University of Gulf Griffin, so I get to see some OUA football, and the quality of play is outstanding in that league now as well. Go Hawks. The league, all of football, all of sport is getting better and better. Let's just look after it. Let's not have these conversations, you know, at the end of years where people go, oh, this, this team's in trouble or this league's in trouble. No. You know what? Let's find solutions. That's the biggest thing. And the best way to find solutions is to get more people interested, more people hooked, more people who love it, get more people at games. You know, instead of watching stuff on their phones, watching stuff on the big screens, uh, get out to the game, have fun, you know, be with other people. We just went through a pandemic, for goodness sake, where everybody was locked in. Get out, have fun, cheer your team on, do the other team. That's what being a fan is all about. Absolutely. Hey, finally, Rod, just quick thoughts on the uh, road hockey to con- conquer uh, cancer that took place this weekend. Oh, gosh, I will tell you guys, that was probably one of the best charity events I've ever been part of. I got a chance to host it the draft night and the, the day of and my first time or usually and because i will tell you the only reason i've never done it before is i was always doing cfl games on weekends and i will tell you uh i've been to a lot of charity events um in my time i think that's what thing that we all have to do is you know always find a way to give back mm-hmm. and, you know you everybody always says oh thank you for doing no to thank i want to thank people for inviting us and me and getting involved because it, it touches your heart and you see, you know, 1800 people at an event. Um, they raised $3.2 million wow. in one day. Wow. They've raised over $32 million in their existence. Um, they've, they've got so many great stories of courage and, you know, uh, being a survivor there are, and, and being around, you know, it's still the, a deadly, deadly disease and, and cancer, you know, the numbers are, are decreasing in terms of, um, you know, mortality rates. Um, that at least we're seeing that more people are survivors now, but I think everybody's been touched by cancer. Everybody will probably get cancer, some sort of cancer in their life. So it was very, it was inspiring being around all of these people. My road hockey sucked. Uh, I played a few games with the great team from Longos, um, and I, was, I needed an ice bath after. But it was great to, you know, they had so many celebrities there. You know, Daryl Sittler, who was, by the way, Terry Fox's hero when awesome. Fox was running across Canada. Yes. 
you know, Wendell Clark, uh, you go down the list, Sarah Nurse, who, you know, the Olympians, uh, it was fantastic. It was just a great event. The weather was perfect. Um, I, I'm looking forward to next year already. And I encourage anybody, I mean, we all, again, have been touched by this insidious disease um, that, that really, um, I know, I, you know, we, we, we now, are, we live our lives or play in games for people so that, you know, we, 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 we can remember them, but also so someday, you know, people like my mom who had cancer in the past or young kids who have cancer, which is the saddest of all that they can live, you know, lives free of it. So hopefully someday we don't have to have it, but as long as they have it, I'm really happy to be part of it. It was, it was an amazing, amazing uh, night, draft night, an amazing day that uh, last Saturday, I've, I've never really been to an event quite like that. Nick, before we wrap it up, final word for Rod. Uh, just, it's it's been really cool to to hear you speak and and to get to chat. I think one of the things that I don't that I overlook sometimes is getting to meet with uh, some of these media personalities who have. have um, from calling all the CFL games, so um, all I just want to say is just thank you because I, I never thought in my life I'd get the chance to um, speak to someone like yourself who's, who's called so many games and been sort of indirectly such a big part of my life as a fan watching CFL football so I'm just going to extend my thanks to you for that yeah, I appreciate those are those are kind words and uh, the feelings mutual trust me I love I love talking to anybody about sports at any time as Chris probably knows and I certainly love talking to the the people and the next group of media stars who are out there, the people who cover the games, and also the biggest reason that we have sports, you guys, as people forget, um, is it's nice to have scores, it's nice to have highlights, it's nice to have championships, but if you don't have fans, you got nothing. And you know, if nobody's watching games, the games become kind of like my old-timer hockey on Sunday mornings or old-time baseball on Monday. Still fun. Always participate in sport. But there's a reason we watch and love the games. It's in, uh, and those players play for, for you, and they play for us, the fans. And uh, it's, great. it's great to chat with a couple of great fans of what I think is a great league. Thank you so much, Rod. And uh, where can our audience uh, find you on social media again, Rod? Uh, I think Rod Black TV on Instagram, I believe. I don't, unfortunately, I wish I was a little more social. I'm not as much social as I am, but I will probably get one of these days. And Rod Black TV, at Rod Black TV on Twitter. Um, and I'm telling you, here's my favorite time of year. Uh, because, you know, the ramp up to the playoffs and CFL is happening. But there's nothing, nothing, you guys, in October is the best April is great. Cause I love the masters and the NCAA tournament and you know, that ramp up to NHL season playoffs and NBA, but there's nothing like October start of hockey season, which is okay. I kind of like that, but I love the baseball playoffs and there's nothing like today and the next few days, wild cards playoffs and the, the hunt for a wild October. It's, it's, it's a great time to be a, what I said before, it's a great time to be a fan. And Rod, finally, hey, um, if you ever want to come back on our show or my uh, show, which is now on a radio station in Georgia, uh, the same station oh, wow. as Rod Peterson. Rod oh, Peterson. Hello, Georgia. Hello, Georgia. Yeah, Rod Peterson. I love, I love the man. Good dude. Yeah. He's, anybody named Rod? Yeah, he's been on my show three times, and uh, my show is on at nighttime at 8 o'clock. But again, Rod, I want to say thank you so much for coming on here. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll bump into you at BMO yeah. Field Friday. 
All right, boys. Have a good one. Thanks for Take having care. me. Thanks, Ciao. Rod. You too. Thank you. All right, Nick, uh, thoughts on uh, Rod Black? Yeah, wasn't that something special? Rod Black has covered some of the most exciting moments in Canadian Football League history. And just to hear his his perspective and his wealth of knowledge, it, it's just sitting there and, and listening to so many great memories of, of watching games as a kid growing up and and through that. And it probably makes him sound old if he's still listening to this. But uh, yeah, it's it's just really and and to show him sharing that passion and to pay it forward to the next group of uh, potential guys like you or me who love covering the league. It's it's really cool and really fun. So thank you again to Rod Black for coming on. Hey Nick, who would have thought when I started this four years ago, uh, March twenty twenty, I would be getting like checks worth. Eric Smith, uh, Rod Black, uh, Jim Barker. You know what I mean? It's just unbelievable. The uh, I just go out and reach out to these guys, and they treat me like one of their own. And uh, I'm very appreciative of people like Rod Black and all the guests that we get on our show and my show. And I'm just going to continue to keep doing this because I love uh, talking about sports or um, with my other show as well. And uh, I'm also a lifelong Argonaut fan and, and the CFL, uh, it really is a fan driven league. And uh, it's just so much fun to be a part of the league, Nick, as a media person and doing the show with you as well, Nick. Every it's week a family. Week. Yes, I agree with you, buddy. I agree with you. Hey, uh, we're going to get back to the Argo show uh, after we ramble for a couple minutes. But i going to ask you this question, Nick, since you got to see more of the game than me. Uh, who are some of the Argo player or players who stood out in this game against Winnipeg, in your opinion? Yeah, it was uh, it was it was kind of a weird game in the way that the Argos did rest a lot of guys and uh, Winnipeg played with a lot more at stake. I mean, they were tied with BC in the standings, and they needed to win. And, and most of the both of them won this week. Um, but with uh, regards to the second string guys, Cam Dukes was good. He had a solid game. I think what was a little weird was how the way kind of the fourth quarter went because um, they put Brian Scott in. They had him play that fourth quarter for the most part, and then they kind of gave Dukes the the fourth quarter comeback um, drive, which was a little bit maybe artificially fabricated um, had he not played for the rest of the fourth. Um, but I think what I thought really stood out, if I had to commend anybody, was the secondary, the, the defensive backs for the Argonauts, because um, especially coming off with the injury to Jamal Peters, um, Qantas Stiggers, um, and Priester, um, came over in into the uh, the wide side of the field to cover, and they were pretty solid. Everybody there in that DB core had had solid coverage, especially it was better than Chad Kelly in the deep ball. We can debate about that on its own, of course, but um, they they held up really well against it. Um, Mason Pierce, if I had to pick anybody, really impressed me. He had that one interception that was called back on the uh, Jared Brinkman. Barely went offside there, uh, jumped it, and which is too bad because it was a really nice interception on a jump ball. Um, but yeah, I, I had to really commend it to the secondary for their play. Um, and then... Um, 
Yeah, I thought AJ Oled, he didn't have that many carries, but he was really able to to power it when he did have it. And I think it, it's you're going to talk about like a, any kind of gleam that you could get if you're Winnipeg um, in a game like this. It's, uh, yeah, you better learn how, how to train your run defense to stop AJ Oled because I, I could totally see him trucking the ball every carry for 30 yards if he does it like he did in this game. AJ Oled is an old school power running back if you ever look on google and type in john riggins who played in the nfl with the new york jets washington redskins wore a 44 he was that kind of a running back and that's his style and that's what i love about aj's style he's a power running back and he's not afraid to get his hands dirty or get in there for the one or two yards and and i'm just glad the argonauts after the they cut him. Uh, they brought him back. Thankfully, nobody picked him up, and uh, hopefully he'll be an Argo for a long time. Uh, and, and that number two, Bob Bronk wore number 34 as well, but he was more of a, a fullback than a running back. Well, the, the, Olette, the guy just squatted 600 pounds, so, I mean, the dude clearly has the ability back. And he's also uh, into some, what, Greek town wrestling in Toronto, too? Yeah, he was in a couple. He guest starred in it. Uh, but, um, yeah, I haven't. I don't know. Probably right now in the season, it's a little bit trickier, especially because it's it's gearing down. You you don't really want those kind of distractions. Was earlier in the season, you kind of get away with it. So might not see him back. I'm I'm speculating, but you might not see him back in that for a little bit until the uh, the off season at this point. Okay, absolutely. We're going to get this ball rolling, Nick, because we're going to wrap this up in about five minutes. Uh, just quick thoughts on uh, head coach Ryan Dimwitty's decision to take Cameron Dukes out with Brian Scott at the, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, my take might be a little bit different from some other people. I know a lot of people kind of didn't like that decision or they were like understanding that it was Dinwiddie sticking to his game plan in that it really was like a preseason game in the sense that you have your starter for three. Yes for that fourth quarter and then you have the starter come in in that comeback situation i think it was it was it was the right thing to do um but um yeah it just sort of it sort of fabricated this weird this weird scenario that it almost seemed like you intentionally threw the lead away which I didn't really like. I would have liked to have seen Dukes play the entire game and seen if they would be able to hold a lead um, under him. I definitely think not having Kelly play at all was probably the right call. Um, and I see, I see why he did it from that from that coach management point and not sort of doubling back. Like I think it was a thing where you say at the beginning of the game that regardless of the score, you're going to do it, and then because it came to be such a close game that you might want to swap swap it out. I kind of wanted to see if Cam Dukes could finish the entire game in on in a quarterback, but I think it also worked out in a way um, because it kind of gave everybody what they wanted um, and probably shouldn't have had um, against Toronto. I mean, they didn't, they scored a touchdown in the first quarter and then they didn't score. Uh, Nick, your Wi-Fi thing cut out. Oh, I can still hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Got to ask you this too, Nick. I don't want to put you on the spot, but how's the injury report looking like heading into this game against uh, Edmonton on Friday night at BMO Field? 
Yep. Uh, the way it looks right now, Winnie McManus was full in practice. Sean Oakman was full. Um, he was a healthy scratch. Shane Richards was full. AJ Olette was full. Um, uh, Josh Haggerty still looking out. He was limited on Tuesday. Uh, today, Isaiah Cage was limited for the most part, and Peters and Phillips um, didn't take any reps. So, uh, yeah, Cam Phillips is probably still gonna gonna stay rested. Um, so, yeah, it looks like at the full length of things, I don't think a whole lot is going to change. We'll see what they do between McManus, Oakman, and Olette, and maybe Shane Richards. Um, maybe they'll put Richards in and rest someone else out on the O line. Um, but yeah, I don't. I it'll probably just kind of rotate. He'll only play a couple of plays. Um, but yeah, nothing too drastic compared to this week. Maybe it's Pickett's turn to rest. We'll we'll see what they decide to do. All right, I'm gonna pass on this because I didn't really see a lot of the game. So I'm gonna let you do this, Nick. Uh, who are your Argos three stars of the game against Winnipeg? Yeah, um, well, I'll, I'll put down Mason Pierce as one of them because, uh, like, I could probably um, DB core specifically the 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 star. So I'll pick Mason Pierce. Um, I'm gonna give the other to the offensive line. Um, I think this game was another example where even with a backup QB, the first string O line was able to contain. So uh, to do that is a huge accomplishment, even if it is kind of weird circumstances. You give that as a positive takeaway. Yeah, for third, um, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it to. I'm gonna give it to Tommy Neal at wide receiver, um, but I think you could probably make a case for Coxey as well. Um, Tommy Neal was uh, five for four for 58 yards. Um, caught almost every ball thrown his way. Demar same amount of yardage um, with some slightly bigger plays. I thought what was really big with it was that ability to to find ways to connect with uh, Cam Dukes um, and some and some of these guys like Tommy Neal, especially having been on the on the the secondary squad practice roster for for a good chunk of the year, it, it gives that better chemistry that you might not see. And that's where kind of on a bit of a tangent here, but I think will be really interesting to see when, whenever Curly Giddens comes back because uh, he had that chemistry with the cloud Bethel Thompson, and you didn't really see that kind of chemistry quite to the same extent with Chad Kelly um, because he didn't play on the second squad with him. You notice that as guys kind of move up together from second string to first string, that chemistry is a lot bigger yes. there. So I, I'm curious I'm curious to see what happens when um, when some of those other guys who have been on the IR come back and and what they decide to do with that. I hope I hope Curly will get at least one game, hopefully one that Chad starts to um, before the end of the year to just get a little bit of work in. Um, like like Rod Black said, you don't want to rust too much by sitting uh, sitting too many players at once. Absolutely, and Doug, and ask you this question, Nick: Are the Bombers still the team overall to beat in the West? And do you see a, a great Cup rematch with Winnipeg and Hamilton? Well, this this next couple of games are going to be really um, crucial to it, especially this week. BC head to head matchup in BC, um, but I think it's 
we've seen just this week, Winnipeg is typically a really tough stadium to play in. Uh, the fans at Investors Group Field are insanely loud. And, and for whatever reason, with the exception of this Toronto game, Winnipeg has absolutely balled at home and absolutely killed anybody they come up against. So it'll be really tough for BC or Saskatchewan or maybe Edmonton and Calgary if they manage to make it through that far. It, it'll be really hard to win if the road goes through BC. I would say that they're pro sorry uh, through Winnipeg. Um, I still think Winnipeg is the favorite. Um, Vernon Adams, I think sometimes is just too inconsistent, hot and cold. But um, I, I mean, we saw it too with uh, Winnipeg where they lost to Hamilton, um, a team that they probably should have beat on paper. So, um, yeah, I think uh, right now the the Winnipeg losing the West final and Toronto losing the East final, I would say Winnipeg losing the West final is more likely. Gonna ask you this, Nick. I know the BC Lions probably did this for a PR move, but I know they put Colin Kaplanick on their negotiation list. But why would you do that for with a, an athlete that hasn't played pro football in seven years? And no offense, he would be a distraction to the BC Lions. I just don't understand why they would make this move right now and put him on a negotiation list. I want your thoughts on that, Nick. I don't know. Maybe it's a conspiracy theory to show that Nathan Rourke could be better than what's his name in New York if they're that desperate. I I honestly have no clue. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't I don't even really want to go there to be honest. It's it is yeah. just a really strange decision. But uh, I don't, well, yeah. all it shows is if he wants is not to play in the CFL. That is his own decision if he'd rather um, sit on the bench and never play for an NFL team again. Well, the thing is, CFL is a different game than the NFL. He has no experience in the Canadian game. It takes time to get involved. And also, he hasn't played in seven years. I don't care if you're Tom Brady. I don't care who if you're uh, Peyton do, Manning. Do, or do you care if you're Chad Kelly, who didn't play for several years after getting cut in the NFL and benched for McLeod? But, but the point is, he hasn't played any football in seven years, period. And I don't care who you are. That's too much of a, a, a gap. And, and and plus he hasn't even played in the CFL and I just think I just think the timing of it if they were going to do something like that they should have done it in the offseason because to me that's a distraction but that's the BC Lions uh, decision well it's good it's good drama for their PR I guess to get more fans to BC plays if you're not going to this week's game to uh, against Winnipeg you really need to go if you're out in BC Absolutely, and uh, we're going to get to our CFL picks shortly, and uh, I got a couple upsets this week, too. Nick, this one I wanted to ask you before we get to our final segment, the CFL picks. I'm excited about this. The thoughts on the upcoming opponent, the Edmonton Oaks, on Friday and the 150th anniversary celebration of the franchise. Go ahead. Yeah, well, if there's any team that could get hot late and, and potentially make a last-ditch run at it with that losing record, like Rod Black said, I think it could very well be a himself as as the guy there in Edmonton now I don't think anybody can deny that and every game he's been in they've been competitive and had a chance to win late so um, I'm I'm really excited to see how that matchup goes I think because of the the, the standings you kind of write off Edmonton but that was one of that was the game Toronto was probably most likely to lose early on 
good in that. So there is there is a lot of motivation probably in Edmonton that they can beat them. And then if we're talking about the 150th anniversary, that yeah. in itself just makes for such an absolutely fantastic experience. Um, for anybody who hasn't looked into the details on it, um, the Stanley Barracks at 4 o'clock are going to open up. There's going to be two autograph signing sessions. First from 4 to 4.45, it's going to be three quarterbacks. It's going to be... Damon Allen, three of the greatest quarterbacks in Argos history, not named Joe Kroll. Um, and then the um, the second group is going to be um, uh, it's going to be Terry Greer. It's going to be My Mookie Mit Yeah, it's going to be Mookie Mitchell. And then um, I think it was going to be Chad. No, no. Yeah, Rocket Ismail. Yeah, how do I forget? Um, yeah, Rocket Ismail is the other one. And then. Um, yeah, Chad Owens, I know, is going to be there. Probably, you got to think, guys like uh, Bob Bronk, Noel Prefontaine, Chad Folk, guys who are always there um, are going to be there. And then a whole bunch of other alumni who have gotten the um, opportunity to go and visit. So um, there's going to be all sorts of stuff going on, too. There's going to be, um, through all the quarter intermissions and halftime and stuff, there's going to be little special um, ceremonies to, to highlight uh, and and just celebrate the the big legacy and 18 great cups of, of this championship um tomorrow be ready to look on your social media because they are about sorry nick you cut out there you cut oh. out okay um social media check it out they're gonna unveil the number one moment of the uh, one top 150 moments and uh, number two, I will announce it now was the mud bowl. So you got to wonder with the epic mud bowl being number two, it's going to be really exciting to see what the um, uh, what the gentleman for the number one moment and uh, candy in it. But we will see what happens. Uh, we've been we've been really lucky in Toronto to, to have they talked about 150 moments and of course um, Don Landry said they could have come up with twice as many it's it's just incredible what this team has been able to do over the years and and how lucky are we to have such a fantastic team in our 150th to be able to cap off a, a legacy and celebrate with what should be an exciting game but oh, by the way Nick I wanted to let you know we are on Max Sport uh, Mac is a friend of mine who's on Facebook, and they have a network called the Northeast Streaming, Northeast Streaming Sports, and we're on his uh, network right now in New York City. So uh, thank you so much to Mac and Linda McGrath for doing that, and I uh, love giving the Canadian Football League and Toronto Argonauts and our show exposure uh, to the folks in New York City as well. And uh, Nick, uh, what I'm looking forward to, I think it'll be a good game against the Edmonton Elks. I think it'll be competitive. I think the Argos will win this game. And um, I'm looking forward to meeting the guys that made me become, become an Argonaut fan back in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, Connor Holloway, uh, Terry Greer. I'm hoping Cedric Mentor, the 83 Grey Cup hero, with that touchdown from Joel Barnes at the end of the game. I'm hoping he'll be there. And uh, fingers crossed that I can do uh, a couple of uh, alumni interviews as well. I'm going to cross my fingers. But to meet Terry Greer and uh, Conrad Holloway, the two guys that influenced me being an Argos fan, uh, 
it took only <laughs> it only took 50 year almost 50 years to do this but i'm really excited to look forward to uh, meeting some of my uh, argo idols and uh, it should be a great time and i should get a lot of pictures videos and uh, fingers crossed uh, get some uh, argo uh, alumni interviews and maybe some uh, guest appearances on our show in the future yeah you bet i will as well i got um I got a uh, flag ready to get signed. Um, I've got it signed by Andre Dury and Chad Owens back. Uh, they, they were in the Mississauga Football League with their kids just as I was finishing up my career there. So um, it'll be there. So I'll see them again. Um, I know Owens is confirmed. Uh, Dury, I, I got to assume since he still lives in Mississauga, he'll be there. Um, but yeah, I don't, I would preface you might want to be careful with how much you bring don't expect to get like 30 things signed uh expect maybe like a one per person if the line yes. is getting really bad um so but uh yeah sure certainly you'll get a chance to say hello and and you know thank them for what they've contributed and show what they mean to this team this organization and and canadian football and and i'm sure it'll be reciprocated and and um, it'll help grow support for this team in this league i think this has been an absolutely fantastic initiative um that the guys with the argonauts organization have come up with and it's going to be preaching this whole time it's going to be something you're going to remember for the rest of your life as an argos fan so yes. get out there great team that we have this year but it's about commemorating 18 great cups and and uh, 15 decades of success and uh, I will be taking the go train down Friday, and uh, hopefully I will be by the stadium by 3 o'clock. So, Nick, hopefully I run into you before the game as well. And uh, I would like to have a cold beer with you as well, by the way. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we'll definitely see you there. Uh, my my father will be making it out to this, which will be the first game he's gone to since before COVID. Probably, I think the last big game he went to was probably the uh, um, the 2017 semifinal against Saskatchewan before the Grey Cup. Uh, probably the last game Mike remember he went to. So it's really exciting to bring him out to this. And, and I hope that uh, anybody uh, who's, who's going to be incredible and it's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely. And we're going to wrap this up, Nick. Uh, CFL Week 18 picks. And I'm going to go first this time. We've got Everton at Toronto. I got the Argos winning this game. I think it's going to be uh, 27 27-20 Toronto. I've got uh, BC at home upsetting Winnipeg. And then uh, Saskatchewan at home uh, on Saturday night. I think Saskatchewan will beat Hamilton. And Bolivar Mitchell could be back playing for the Cats Saturday night. I guess we'll see what happens there. And then uh, the Thanksgiving game is on Monday, October 9th. By the way, wishing everybody here in Canada watching or listening to our show a happy Thanksgiving this Monday. And uh, Ottawa-Montreal is the Thanksgiving Day game, 1 o'clock on TSN. I'm going to go with the uh, Alouettes. So I'm going to go with the Argos, Lions, Rough Riders, and Alouettes to win. Nick, what are your thoughts on those games? Okay, I have I have two of what you're picked. I am, I'm going to take Toronto over Edmonton at home. Um, I'm going to take Winnipeg on the road over BC. I'm going to take Hamilton on the road over Saskatchewan, and I'm going to agree with you and take Montreal over Ottawa. 
All right, and, we're, and I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving on Monday here in Canada, but I'm also looking forward to the game Friday. And uh, I hopefully I'll be at the stadium by three o'clock. And uh, just looking forward to hopefully uh, getting uh, a photo and meeting um, Conrad Holloway, Terry Greer, Cedric Mentor, and some of the other guys from the '83 team. And obviously Rocket Ismail. And fingers crossed about Doug Flutie. I'm hoping Doug Flutie will be there as well. So he uh, might. He might not be in that uh, Batmobile, but I think he will be. Uh, I, I got to think he'll be able to make it out to this one. I hope so. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Hey, and Nick, and, and, and again, I want to say thank you to Rod Black, legendary TSN CTV broadcaster for coming on here. The longtime voice of the CFL on TSN for coming on. Final, final thoughts, Nick, on tonight's episode 12. Yeah, thanks again to Rod, and thanks again to all of you, the listeners, for tuning in and making this show uh, extra special. And and I'm really honored that we have our opportunity to make our small impact on the 150 years of Toronto Argonauts history. I couldn't be more thankful for it. So, um, yeah, hopefully I'll see some of you guys there at the game this this uh, Friday. And, uh, yeah. I think you cut out, Nick. Uh, take care and all the best and go Argos. Okay, Nick. Thank you so much. Have a good night, Nick. And we'll see you next week at some point for episode 13 of the Argo Bounce live audio show. I want to say thank you to everyone watching on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, or they call it X now. And our show is available on 14 audio platforms such as Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, etc. And also the Argo Bounce Live audio show, a once-a-week show about the Toronto Argonauts and the CFL news, is on radio station WQEE 99.1 FM in Metro Atlanta, the home of Southern Talk and Sports. Thanks to Ryan O'Neill. They love our show and our CFL content as well. But again, thank you, Rod Black. Nick, thank you for coming on. And everybody for watching this live stream or on audio platforms, and again on WQEE 99.1 FM. And if anybody out there owns a business and would like to possibly sponsor our show, please contact Nick or myself as well uh, through our Twitter or social media pages as well. I hope everybody has a great night. Enjoy the CFL games this weekend. And again, uh, to everybody here in Canada, I wish you a happy Thanksgiving on uh, Monday, October 9th. And we'll see you next week for episode 13 of the Argo Live Bounce Show uh, with Nick Small and Chris Pome. Have a good night, everybody. And as always, go Argos.
Scoring touchdowns for the blue on blue. The Argos will win for you. Full of fight and courage, you can't stop. They pile up the points until they reach the top. Pull together till the gray comes by. Go Argos, go, go, go. Until they reach the 